and welcome to the Scene and Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and tonight we are talking current TV and film headlines as, for whatever reason, news just keeps breaking about the film Spider-Man and the Han Solo spinoff movie. So with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer extraordinaire, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing well, Sarah. I feel like I'm watching uh, CNN for each with all the breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> we have breaking it, news, viewers. It, yeah, it's it's crazy with everything, and I, I, but it's more fun than the real news because the real news is kind of depressing, yeah. and geek news is. A different kind of depressing when some stuff happens and directors leave unexpectedly and projects feel like they're just disasters waiting to happen. And yet we're still going to see the movies, oddly yes. enough. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I know it's, it, for a lot of people, uh, it's this kind of insider kind of, you know, baseball kind of thing where, you know, maybe, you know, John... Q viewer doesn't care if it's Ron Howard or Opie Taylor or, you know, whoever. But, you know, but for us and the folks who listen on this podcast, this is this is a big deal. This is big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you don't care if it's Ron Howard or any other director, why the heck are you listening to us? <laughs> it's just I just wonder. I just wonder because and we'll also get into that, but yeah. before we get into that inside baseball, I want to talk about our own inside baseball and this hiatus, TV hiatus from hell, I almost want to say. Yeah, so I'm going to let you go first this week, Sarah. Okay, so before I delve into my stories about what I've been watching this week, I want to say I had an... I had a realization that the reason why this summer seems to be dragging television-wise is that Mr. Robot got pushed back until October of this year. Mm. Mr. Robot usually um, premieres in June or July, and I have it as my summer show. That's number one. Number two, Game of Thrones usually in the past has been wrapping up right around this time, but it got pushed back and won't come out until next month. Again, delaying my timetable. Uh, Unreal. Unreal. The got sum- pushed back. Summer, do- the sun- summer doldrums has come very early for you. <laughs> All of my summer shows got moved. And so now it's thrown me entire out, entire, um, it's thrown me off because my schedule and how, yes, the CW shows go away, but all of these other really fun and engaging shows come on, that didn't happen this year. That yeah. did not happen. And instead, I'm going to have to try to keep up with everyone on the CW shows in October and my favorite show, Mr. Robot, at the same time. Ooh, that's going to be a hard challenge because... Um... Does it premiere around the same time as all the CW shows return? Yes. Uh, yes, Will. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. 
Oh, I'm taking you down with me. Just, just <laughs> fair warning. I mean, I'm surprised you're not binge watching Mr. Robot this summer because that can give you a head start. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm, it, I'm going to start actually because uh, I think I, uh, you know, talked about this some last week with my summer hiatus viewing, and um, you know, I started off with Man in the High Castle, and it was very, it was set in a very dystopian. Mm-hmm. future, well, dystopian alternate universe of what happened after uh, the Second World War, and it was just too dark, and I just I just bailed on it, you know. Right. And then, um, started this week, we um, tried watching Fortitude, and I'm, it was it was good. I It was engaging. It's, uh, it's an Amazon um, original original uh set in a fictional town near the arctic circle um and um it's a good movie to watch during the summer because since it is in a very cold place and it was i think 95 degrees here on saturday it was like ah it's kind of refreshing seeing all this nice snow but (laughs) this is sarah's summer (laughs) yeah exactly exactly i was like ah i am I'm uh, dropped into Sarah's place there for a minute, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I liked it. It was um, it, it was very interesting as far as sort of setting up. Um, the, uh, tell us the truth, Will. You yeah. hated it. I'm gonna give it one more. I'm gonna give it one more episode. I'm gonna give it another try. It, Just out of out of curiosity, it kept me. It kept me interested. Uh, there's a real scumball of a character in okay. there who cheated on his wife, and his mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert: his uh, son uh, came down with uh, mumps, and um, was delirious, and went looking for him out in the snow, and got frostbite on his feet, and yeah, it's just yeah. I'm like, all right, so I think yes, it is time to. I think it caught up with Mr. Robot because you've told me so many great things about the show and I've caught bits and pieces of it, but I need to get the complete universe behind complete me. Complete so, story. The complete yeah. story. So when season three starts, I'll be all caught up with you. Thank God. Thank yep. God. Because you would have been spoiled so much. Because yeah. when that, forewarning for all, when that show drops, I will be talking about it. Yes. Lord help us all. <laughs> So we'll have so, the, we'll have a Mr. Robot segment, y'all, and we'll have the Flash segment, and so we'll, we have plenty of fandom all around. We'll be happy because uh, we will have, and we'll squeeze an arrow there too. So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll make it yeah, work. We'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. Um, I did manage to actually check out a show on Showtime <laughs> this weekend um, called "I'm Dying Up Here." Huh. Have you heard about this one? I have not. Enlighten this. So it is a 70s hour-long drama about a stand-up about stand-up comedians in LA in the 70s. So everyone's trying to get on Carson, and it's based off of a book and stories told about the comedy store in LA, and Jim Carrey is actually behind the scenes on this production. Really? I I don't know his exact title, but he he helps scout the actors for these parts and nobody really 
none of the characters are named after real life comedians that we all have heard of, but apparently a lot of the stories told uh, are uh, are very influenced on the history of the comedy store. Ooh. And so um <laughs> this is funny. It always comes back to this with me, Will. Um Schmoes know who now <laughs> now you're aware of. So they're they're stand up comedians and so you hear about the comedy show and they had on a few weeks ago Andrew Santino, who's the star of I'm Dying Up Here, and that's why I started watching this show. Ah. I have to tell you the truth. The first episode, I pretty much turned it off, and I left it alone for about a week until mm-hmm. this weekend, and I revisited it. And the second episode and the third episode were pretty good. I like they're finding that balance between showing and really depicting the the sadness of comedians mm-hmm. because everyone knows about the sad cl- clown phenomenon. Right. So, and that's the most interesting part of it. It's not that these people are funny. It's more about their depression and their own self, almost hatred and their pessimism about life and that drive that fuels this comedy. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's it's really, it's not a bad show to catch if you can. Um, and it's a pretty good ensemble as well. Cool, cool. I I don't have Showtime, but if it... Um, Hulu. Okay. Um, I will, yeah, I will, I will definitely check that out. But did I, I think I might have bought a, pers- a subscription to Showtime through Hulu. Okay. Well, I know, yeah, either that, yeah, or, you know, look for, like, the deals. I know, like, my inbox today was, like, you know, free HBO through Amazon for, like, a mm. week or something like that, so. So now you have no excuse not to watch Game of Thrones. Exactly, exactly. What the heck, Will? I what know. the heck? <laughs> I'll, like, binge, yeah, I'll just, like, you know, kick everybody out of the house and just binge for, like, I guess two days and get caught up. Yeah, that, that, that'll go over really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A part of me, as I'm naming all of these shows, I feel like um, I feel like you're Kevin Feige in this situation where I'm just Amy Pascal talking about <laughs> the big Spider-Man news, and you're staring at me like, yeah, I'll watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'll watch Mr. Robot. Yeah. What is she talking about? What is she talking about? <laughs> Well, I think that's a great segue to uh, our first big news of of the week. What happened, Will? What happened? Well, um, for those of you who have been um, uh, living under a rock or or like me who had crazy flight delays when trying to get to a business meeting, um, (laughs) Spider-Man had... Uh, universe. Spider-Man is premier. Homecoming is premiering in a few weeks, and um, as part of that, um, uh, Amy Pascal and uh, Kevin Feige, Feige, Feige. Was Feige uh, I guess they were doing an interview, and of course, uh, we've talked about this um, on previous shows, but Venom is going to be uh, coming out in uh, 2018, and um, uh, Tom Hardy is going to be playing Eddie Brock slash Venom, and uh, of course, there's been back and forth 
wondering, is Venom a part of the Marvel comic universe, in particular with Spider-Man, or is not part of our universe that we've come to know over the last uh, uh, many years? And um, so she was like, oh yeah, it's Spider-Man would appear in Venom and the uh, Canary uh, Black Cat's uh, silver films and and then he was just kind of sitting there, not not quite like Ben Affleck with uh, Henry Cavill when they had the interviews about Batman v Superman, but it was one of those moments. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it, basically, Kevin Feige was anyone listening to what Amy Pascal had to say, considering from the get-go, it was made very clear that Venom would not have Spider-Man up here and not necessarily be in that same universe. So a lot of people were considering, well, maybe it's a a film set in the future of the yeah. Spider-Man universe, and that's how they're going to kind of tie it all together. But it was still, I mean, everybody had that same look on their face. Like, we all were Kev- Kevin Feige listening to this, like, so are you just trying to get us to go see Homecoming, even though you've already sold us? Or are you trying to back Marvel Studios into a position where it would look really bad now if they didn't try to work a new contract with Sony to continue this very profitable partnership they've had? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, well, it took me off guard. Granted, everything about Spider-Man. And, and sadly enough, he's one of my favorite characters, and yet the films are just making him become this, like, joke, I have to say. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, I was engaged with a few folks on Twitter about this, uh, you know, the whole idea of this, if it is a standalone Venom and Spidey is not in the universe, you know, you know, you made a good point, is it going to be something that's set in the future? Because otherwise... And, you know, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense. So, I, you know, I, it, maybe she was telegraphing one, you know, we are going to make this work and we're go- we, we hear you people and, and we're going to do this. And, you know, maybe Kevin didn't get the memo. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, especially when uh, we know that um, uh, Tom Holland's been um, Tom. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> for Spider-Man has been yeah. I'll get back to Tom Hardy, but our, our, the other Tom is okay. it's like it's like the Chris problems. You got too many Chris's out there now. Now, <laughs> now, we're, now, now, we're, we're, now we're building up. Now we're building up our, our Toms because. <laughs> so what well. did Tom Holland do? <laughs> yeah, so he had, I guess there are, you know, Spider-Man 2 and 3, I think he has been signed to contracts for both of them, mm-hmm. as far as sequels. Um, so, you know, our, you know, the, clearly they're going to try to build a Spider-Man universe. Yeah, God. And... Uh, part of, as part of the larger Marvel universe. Um, and I was also seeing where there's the potential of 
bringing in Craven and Mysterio um, right. into the mix as well. So, you know, will they be villains or will, you know, how do they all interplay with either Spider-Man or maybe Venom or who knows at, at this well, point? Right. And, and, and it, it begins to beg the question and not only for Spider-Man, but, uh, but also we didn't touch, you know, you got the mummy. We talked about this, um, uh, maybe offline as far as the dark universe there, mm -hmm. you know, you're getting all these various enterprises getting built up. And I, I'm wondering if, if we're getting universe bloat here to where, oh, definitely. um, to where it's going to collapse on itself. If, if we're not careful, I know Mark, Hamill, um, who just, by the way, got uh, finally got a star on the Walk of Fame, woo, woo. Um, had you know had raised a very interesting point of you know with with the Wonder Woman premiere is you know we need you know it's great having all these superhero films but we got to keep the quality of the stories up and I'm worried that with trying to you know everyone trying to be the next Marvel with this extended universe, it's going to collapse on itself and we're just going to get a bunch of sucky films and really kill this great genre that we have right now. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the biggest issue in this case is that Sony is trying to build a universe around a, a single hero mm -hmm. and maybe a few anti-heroes and then some villains. Um, and, and that's kind of appealing to a degree because Spider-Man is very similar to Batman, which where they both possess this very well-known rogues gallery mm -hmm. that is diverse and a lot of characters that, that we know and love. But those characters are villains. And we've had this conversation before, Will. You know my stance on it. If it's a villain, do not make it a freaking anti-hero. Exactly. I don't like that. Yep. And that's what they're trying to do. And that's what really bothers me about this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, to your point, I think if you try to build a universe around a single hero, it will collapse in on itself. I mean, there's a reason why Christopher Nolan's, I mean, despite my thoughts about the third film, that trilogy worked. But it was one hero that story and then they had a few villains like circling around there and they told three different installments but the connective story of a hero story yeah so and that's what spider-man should have spider-man needs its great trilogy yes and not not its own universe i completely agree yeah 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 uh. Granted, the villain Carnage film, like, kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is. I mean, we've talked about this before with, you know, uh, with uh, if anyone who watched the Spider-Man cartoon from the from the early to mid in the mid nineties, mm -hmm. they had the you know Venom, uh, and the, and then later Carnage appeared, and that that see, again. You know, for for people like me and like you and others who have who who, who watch that show, I mean, they have a very tall order to to, to, to meet because yeah. those were handled so well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, and again, it begs the question, if you're going to do a Venom movie and Spider-Man's not involved, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that could have totally, like, Venom would have been in the second movie, mm-hmm. Venom, Carnage, and Spider-Man in the third, but, you yep. know, they're, they're going a different route, and we don't know how it's going to turn yeah. out. I am curious now, though, to know the actor that is going to play Carnage when you have Tom Hardy all set to play Venom. Right, right. I mean, I was trying to think of of a of a strong, you know, an up and coming actor because to come up and play that role because, um, yeah, I mean, some of the people who come to mind are. Are, are already established as villains in, in the Marvel Universe or some other enterprise as far as DC or, you know, it, yeah. So it'll, it'll, if you I'm have any, throw, if you have I'm a gonna, name, I, I, I was thinking of someone when I was looking at our, at our, at our sheet of uh, talking points tonight and I just couldn't think of one. Well, the name that pops in my head and it's just because I associate this actor so much already with Tom Hardy that for in my world it makes complete sense you get Killian Murphy oh the something scarecrow yes yes this is true but I mean again scarecrow and Bane yeah yeah Yeah. For fans who watch Peaky Blinders, they both appear on Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. I mean, Killian Murphy is the star of that show, but Tom Hardy appears. We got the Nolan connection. I mean, yeah. they both were in, in Inception as well as the Dark Knight trilogy. They were. So they 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 already had an on-screen chemistry. And oh, FYI, they're both going to be in Christopher Nolan's movie Dunkirk later this summer. So yeah. Potentially it could work, and Killian Murphy does have that serial killer, pun intended, vibe. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, yeah, I mean, I, I totally see that. Uh, I could totally see him, because I was just trying to think it, and I guess I couldn't, you know, I, I guess physical characteristics or stuff, that's who I was, I, I had that vision, but yeah, I just couldn't the think, the why, yeah, but I just, uh, couldn't think of you know, but of of the actor's name, but you, you just you just nailed it right there. I think that would be a, a very very strong, uh, strong candidate for for that role. Yeah, so I shall knock it off its pedestal and also admit that because of Pinky Blinders, I am fully aware of how blue Killian Murphy's eyes are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I don't want to necessarily have a crush on Carnage. So I may have an internal conflict happening if that happens. Uh, yeah, you just, just saying. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So we move on from one saga to an entirely different one, but very similar in the sense that again, it goes back to what you were saying before about we're getting universe after universe after universe and not all of them are well planned. Oh, Han yeah. Solo. Yes. So Even, news broke. Yep. Go, no, you, you, you go set it up. Okay. I'll set it up. So news broke earlier this week on late Tuesday that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the directors of Han Solo had, um, 
we're no longer going to direct the remaining weeks of principal photography. The next day, news came out that they actually got fired due to a conflict between them and both Kathleen Kennedy, as well as Lawrence Kasdan, the writer. And apparently the tension just grew to be too much. And so Kathleen said, thank you, but you have to go. And then today it was announced that Ron Howard would complete the production and finish shooting as well as do the reshoots that are planned for later this summer and see the project through post-production. So will, 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 will. What is, is this going to work? Is Ron Howard the right man? And are we going to get a bipolar movie because of all of this mess? Well, you know, I I just thought of this while we while you were setting up, and mm-hmm. and we said bipolar. The first thing that popped in my mind was Superman and Superman Two. Okay. Because you had a situation where Richard Donner, who I've heard of him. Yes, who <laughs> I've heard. Yeah, I think I'm sure you have. Uh, was you know. Let was fired because right. uh, they filmed one and two at the same time. It was going to be and then they brought in Richard Lester to mm-hmm. finish Superman 2 and it was a completely bipolar mess because you had this universe set up in Superman 1 and then if you've ever if you've had a chance to see the director's cut of both Superman 1 and Superman 2 the Richard Donner versions versus the Richard Lester versions, completely different films. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And I, I don't know if that's what's going to happen here with this Han Solo film, just internally, given that it's one film instead of a set of two films. But mm-hmm. I could see the potential for that happening when you said bipolar, because, I mean, Lord and Miller were, you know probably what close to half to three quarters of the way through principal photography. Right. Um, and, um, you know, of course they're known for the, you know, for doing 21 jump street. Uh, and I'm sure they brought their own touches to this film. Now you bring in Ron Howard who, you know, has his own unique, I mean, it's obviously Oscar winning director, you know, safe choice, I think <laughs> so safe choice. I know shade, I'm saying shade. Shade. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, state not state the obvious, but it's a safe choice. I mean, I was reading where he's already meeting with the cast, trying to, you know, say, "Look, y'all, this is okay. We're going to get through this." Um, but you know, I, ultimately, I think it will work. Mm-hmm. But but I do think it we it, it'll work, but we will be able to tell that there were two different sets of directors in this movie, especially when you know whenever they start picking out which scenes are going to reshoot mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how that all integrates into you know what was already filmed to date. And as far as the post-production, how it's edited, and yeah, it's, it's you know because you know when you think about it, Ron's going to have to edit someone else's work. 
Yeah. Right. Um, right. And, you know, and should you make those judgment calls as far as what's, what is it going to keep and what's going to end up on the cutting room floor? And it, it, it I mean, I, they made, I, they, they made the right call here. I don't know, if, uh, you know, if there's very few directors who I think can probably come in and pull it off, but I, I, I do think he is one of those that can. And I think it helps that he does have some, even though he's, you know, he had a potential to, the, I think, to direct the Star Wars movie before and, and didn't. Um, but he does clearly have a connection with the production team and, uh, you know, obviously the George Lucas lineage with American Graffiti and Steven Spielberg. So, you know, again, I think all those factors come into play. It just makes sense for Ron Howard to finish his film. Right, right. Um, Will, remind me, did you like Rogue One? I did, loved it. Loved it. So, and you, did, have you, you know about the onset problems mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. much reshots they did, right? Yes, yes. I was worried when I heard about all the reshoots that they were having to do, but I, you know, uh, it made it for a stronger film. Right. So, so to me, considering that, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not quick to say that that it's going to be it's not possible for them to take what has previously been shot, keep what's needed, reshoot the rest and then make an entirely different film. At the end of the day, I'm also a strong proponent of editing and I feel like whoever's in the editing booth and making those decisions, they're the real people who are telling the story. Because the editors compose the story. (laughs) For those of you who don't believe me, go watch Suicide Squad and tell me that that's a good film. It's not. (laughs) And the biggest problem with it was the editing. Mm. Granted, I have not seen that or else I'll probably like throw my computer (laughs) against the wall. Another movie I don't I don't mind dropping is Batman v Superman. A lot of people had a problem with the original cut of that movie Mm -hmm. because the editing cut out essential parts of the story and made it feel very disjointed and disoriented while watching it in theaters. So, so I, I have, I'm not quick to, to say it's impossible and that it will be bipolar. I totally agree with you though. Ron Howard is a safe choice, especially considering Ron Howard I feel like he hasn't made a good movie in almost a decade. Yeah, there is that too. (laughs) So, so it kind of feels like, well, maybe I'll try to get in on this universe action. You know, everybody else seems to be cashing in (laughs) and I don't have anything else to do. And I've already made a name for myself. And I mean, Phil, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they've, they were a surprising pick to begin with. Yeah. But they were an interesting one and a very appealing one to the younger audience members because we want fresh takes. We we appreciate what J.J. Abrams did in relaunching the franchise. At the same time, Force Awakens will always go down as a new hope 2.0. Like, yep. Yep. there's no getting around that. And yep. Rogue One was, was a well-toward story that was connected, but it also 
brought to life other elements that we had been craving to see. So, so we want those new visions. And so a part of me is kind of a bit frustrated when, well, you guys knew they, what they were going to do. So why did it take you until now to make that call of saying that, no, we don't trust you anymore. We don't want you here. You have to leave. Like, isn't it doesn't it seem a bit late in the process for all of this to have happened? It does. It does. Um, and, you know, it, you know, I guess that's the thing with creative, creative differences. Sometimes people can overcome them and, you know, look out for the for the greater good. Sometimes folks get. Uh, and it was clearly what happened here. Uh, Kasdan and Kennedy just got locked in. They're like, this is how we're going to tell the story. This is the formula for this universe. You shall mm-hmm. follow it. And when Lord Miller were like, no, we want to put our own spin on it, they they, they, they said, there's the door. Man, what a shame. What a shame. So Creative differences. I equate <laughs> that to somebody sa- says... Well, I think it's just a personality conflict. What they're, what you're really saying is you don't like them. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Creative what did, differences. What did you, yeah, it's like, what did you do to my baby? I mean, it, I mean, it, that's all. Well, yeah, I mean, I, as I said earlier, I think that's basically what it boiled down to. I think Cassidy and Kennedy, and and you know, they have a cachet to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. they have had years and and years of success. So, you know, if they they want to say, you know get your ass out of here, then who am I to argue with them? I mean, they, they clearly know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that tweet you sent out earlier yeah. today about yeah. Kathleen Kennedy and I have to, I agree with that point. Yeah. I, and I'm not blaming her in this instance. No. I, I still, I still am just interested and who knows, this could maybe become a Ryan Murphy anthology TV series about what happened on the set of Han Solo. <laughs> okay. Because America right now, Star Wars. It's, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting idea of what happened on set here, considering all the facts and what we're solely learning about um, the politics involved. So yeah. just putting that out there. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing before we move on. Uh, speaking of politics there, if you get a chance to uh, uh, go read uh, Variety, um, there's a very interesting story for all you folks who really enjoy the, the business part of, make, of filmmaking uh, about whether or not um, Ron Howard is will get a direct, uh, director credit and how, how that could all unfold um, especially with the under the director's guilds rules as far as uh, giving credit to um, uh, to directors as far as um, for their for their films very interesting article so go check it out oh, yes yeah 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 I'm interested in reading that because um, we'll just have to wait until May 25th 2018 to see how everything plays out and yeah. Who gets credit and yeah. who just gets shunned for life? Yeah, it was yeah because uh, I mean it, it really gets this article really gets into the you know how people you know because Lord and, and Miller already had because 
usually the director's guild apparently has a one director rule, but since but they do make exceptions for teams for a director, so that's how they were able to get the credit together as directors of this film. But then you know the article makes the point that it's very rare that you get this deep in production of principal photography and the directors get fired. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, so it's, 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 uh, and, and interestingly enough, Ron Howard's also on the director guild, the director's guild board. So, uh, it's just a very interesting, um, article as far as some of the uh, politics and backstory and in the business part of, of filmmaking that, uh, uh, folks who are listening to this podcast get into and you know, I think you'll really enjoy it. Enjoy just reading an article just from that standpoint as we see how all this unfolds over time. Definitely. Definitely going to check that out. But in lighter news I mean while all of this, these sagas are playing out in film world there isn't a lot happening in TV land. And um, the, there are a few things that I just want to touch on briefly with you and get your opinions on. So Damon Lindelof, um, who ran, who was the showrunner for The Leftovers, um, which wrapped earlier this summer, has has announced that he is going to do an adaptation of the Watchmen series for HBO. Mm-hmm. Which I am kind of split 50-50 on, but Will, what's your first reaction to an HBO series, or an, or a Watchmen HBO series, I should say? Um, well, it's probably good that Zack Snyder is not a part of this. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was... Yeah, and not because of you know the personal travails his family's been dealing with right now. I just think mm-hmm. that uh, you know Watchmen is one of those things. I know the if I recall the writer of the comic or the creative team of the comic book were were very uncomfortable, uh, not happy at all if I recall with this character with this series being adapted to film. Um, and I know they had some problems with the ending of the, of the, the film Watchmen. Um, so my, my initial reaction is I'm going to keep an open mind on this. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm just going to keep an open mind and see, just sort of see how it goes. Um, Probably because you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Oh, there's a chance it'll connect to the CW universe." No, no, I think <laughs> I think this will be clearly standalone. I don't think it will. I don't think it'll. Uh, the Berlanti universe will not, uh, and and this one will not intersect. Yeah, and they said that about Supergirl, and now here we are. <laughs> and they said that about Black Lightning, and we'll, they're already starting to soften on that. <laughs> yep, yep, never say never, you don't know. Just out of curiosity, Will, um, how many seasons could they do of this series? Hmm. Um... If they do only like ten episodes, mm-hmm. 
They could probably stretch it out to maybe three to five. Three to five. Yeah. Lucky number. Yeah. I, th- I think Lindelof learned his lesson from Lost of don't jump the shark and make unnecessary seasons. Tell the story from start to end and then move on. Yeah. And that's what he did with Leftovers. So hopefully um, they do try to come up with one narrative that they're able to work for multiple seasons but not go on forever. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like with the cable networks and even the online streaming services, they are really good about that. Um, you know, having that nice tight season. Um, one, I think for like, for, as you said, for storytelling purposes, tell a story, get it done. And two, I think it's just the nature, I think, of how serialized drama is going. It, you know, we're, we're a very binge-worthy society when it comes to these shows. So something where we want to get in, watch it, get out. Right. Um, so, you know, and, you know, we, you know, we, we were with uh, Jake and Tom. We, we talked about this uh, a little bit where, you know, with the 20-plus show season, uh, you know, unfortunately – Creatively, I think sometimes they run out of steam and there's a lot of fluff, but uh, I think the genius of the streaming services and, and cable is they, you know, they have these nice tight seasons under, you know, under, you know, 15 episodes. Right. I mean, granted, <laughs> HBO is also known for when they say an hour. Yeah. Sometimes they'll do more than an hour. I mean, recently the run times for the new season of Game of Thrones episodes came out, and I think they had an 80-minute long episode. Yeah, that's a feature film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really close. So, so it's 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 interesting what HBO is doing, but regardless of the runtime, the stories are so well done, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of time and. Um, very meticulous work put into these production wise. So it'll, it's almost close like a movie. So you don't care if it's a half hour more than you expected originally. And another way that TV has been going about telling new stories and not falling into the traps of, um, regular network shows and that just go on and on. in every episode is, um, very much the same thing, just repeated. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, is Ryan Murphy's Crack the Code in his anthology series. Yes. Which we got an update this week that I was really, I really liked because it makes a whole hell of a lot of sense in that um, they're currently shooting the season, originally the season three of American Crime that centered around the Versace merge murder. Mm-hmm. And what they did this week is they announced that that'll actually be season two and will debut next year first. And then right after that, they will have um, the American crime season three feature the hurricane Katrina story. So just moving and shaking and moving and shaking. Yeah. And, I'm I'm 
curious about them, the um, Versace one, not because I know a lot about that case, but because Darren Chris is going to be on it. Hey. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's how you work your work glee into this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure he plays the murderer. I think so. I think I did read that. I think he did. Did he play Andrew Cannon? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think. I, I, yeah. I think. Yeah. And Penelope Cruz is going to play Donatello. Yep. Yes, just, and uh, and I think Ricky Martin plays the is it the boyfriend. Um, I know Ricky Martin's in it too, but I can't remember. Yes. What, yeah, I just can't remember which what the role he's playing in this, in the film. In oh, the series. I don't know. It's it's such a different story than the O.J. Simpson yeah. trial that I'm I'm very curious if it will live up to the hype or if it will just be another true detective season two scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People versus OJ, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that was just epic television, um, that you're right, it's going to be very hard to replicate that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've always been on the fence about the Hurricane Katrina season that they had planned, Mm -hmm. just because I'm not really sure what story they're going to tell with it, and how, where... Because it's not a trial, it's not going to be a murder mystery. This was a big event that affected a lot of people, right. and and so I'm I'm more curious about where what Ryan's vision will be about that story. But they did point out that the season three will feature a lot of the main cast members that were on season one. So Sterling K. Brown will be on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that guy, I always... see, right there, you're going to tune in regardless. It could be trash, and you'll be like, as long as Sterling's there, I'm good. Well, I mean, Sarah Paulson will be on it, too. I'm yeah. just saying. And then they also indicated that Dennis Quaid has been cast to play George W. Bush. That's an interesting uh, casting decision there um, for him to play play. W, uh, but I mean, I, and I wonder, I wonder, you know, getting to your point, is that are they going to focus the stories? But, but you know, given that it was no trial with Katrina, um, I wonder if it's just going to be intercut between what's going on in what DC and the president's, uh, re- you know, right actions or inactions during that period. And then stuff that was going on on the ground um, in New Orleans at the time period. I mean, I wonder, is Sterling playing? Is he playing Ray Nagin or? He, I I don't know. I didn't see who everybody else was playing. Okay. I just saw the casting announcement for George W. Bush. Okay. Okay. W. W. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a wrap. A short episode. Short but sweet for us tonight. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned this, but for all of our listeners, please go to um, Tom and Jake Conquer the World podcast. We were on it recently. Go and support them. Had a season's review of comic book shows across all networks. 
And also, we're happy to announce that next week we're going to be joined by special guest co-host Miss Jackie Dallas from the Netflix series Stranger Things. And she's going to talk to us about indie filmmaking, indie productions, as well as her acting career so far and her Hollywood dreams. So that shall be very fun. Yes, it should be lots of fun. Looking forward, looking forward to that. Yep, yep. Will got us the hookup on that one. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Jackie, for for uh, for agreeing to join us next week. We uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. Yep. And hopefully Patricia will be back to crash because I miss her. She's yeah yeah. Falls out to you, Patricia. Hope you feel better. Yeah, hope you feel better, and I hope eventually you get over your fear of us laughing at you and you tell us what really happened. <laughs> <laughs> and you can go onto Twitter and follow us at Cena Nerd. And you, Will, where can they find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's at W I L L M P O L K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please continue to send us TV and film recommendations. Let us know what you're watching. Let us know what we should be watching. Go to iTunes and rate, subscribe, and comment on on our podcast. And let us know what you like, what you don't like, what we should be covering. Go. You can also find us on SoundCloud. And that's it. That's a wrap. I'm done. Good, good night. <laughs> good night and geek out. You're welcome.